The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Down by 21 points with less than three minutes to go in the third quarter in a game on the home field of the third-ranked team in the country. The odds of Kansas State coming back to win last Saturday's game against Oklahoma were minuscule, tiny, a fraction. And yet, that's exactly what Kansas State did. Skylar Thompson led the Wildcats back by scoring 24 unanswered points to leave Norman with a 38-35 victory and the program's second straight victory over Oklahoma. It was one of the largest comeback wins in school history, and now Kansas State returns home to play host to Texas Tech on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Well, welcome to the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame show. Kansas State and Texas Tech kick off at 2.30 at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. The game will be on FS1 with Joe Davis on play-by-play, Mark Helfrich as the analyst, and, of course, you can always hear the game on the 39th Station K-State Sports Radio Network with Wyatt Thompson on the call. Kansas State is coming off that amazing 38-35 victory at number 3 Oklahoma. The comeback win tied the largest deficit to be overcome by the Wildcats in school history, while the 21-point comeback started at the 136 mark of the third quarter, which was the latest of each of those 21-point comeback victories. And also last week's win was the first over a top-five opponent on the road in school history. Senior quarterback Skylar Thompson is in line to make his 30th career start on Saturday and is coming off a career performance against OU where he threw for a career-best 334 yards and combined for four touchdowns, three of which were rushing. He's just one of four QBs in school history to throw for more than 4,000 career yards and rush for 1,000 career yards, and he can become the second with 5,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards with 12 more yards through the air. 
It's absolutely amazing the turnaround this team showed after losing to Arkansas State in such pitiful fashion to open the season and then two weeks later, after an off week, to go to Norman and win. And another reason was the littlest guy on the field, true freshman running back Deuce Vaughn. He continues to impress as he totaled 174 all-purpose yards against Oklahoma, which included 129 yards through the air and 45 more on the ground. There were plenty of stars. We saw Khalid Duke come back after missing the first game and starring at defensive end and completely disrupting the Oklahoma offense in the fourth quarter. Jerron McPherson was named the top defensive player in the country by one national outlet after dominating Oklahoma with a physical, physical performance from a safety position. All around, Kansas State greatly improved, but the Wildcats did get off to a slow start. They did look sluggish, and they did look like they were headed for defeat for much of the game last weekend in Norman. But then they woke up, and they played with a great deal more purpose, effort, and focus They locked in on the Sooners, and they came back and claimed a victory. Can they continue that this weekend with a win over Texas Tech? That is the main question we explore on this edition of the PowerCat pregame show. We start with Kevin Keatsman and myself talking about the Wildcats and college football, and then we will move in to our roundtable session with Ryan Wallace from the Go Powercat staff, Brian Hanley, the Go Powercat football analyst and former Kansas State offensive lineman, and then Kelly in Vegas. Kelly Stewart adds her thoughts on the lines for this week's Big 12 games, including K-State being a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home with Texas Tech. And now we bring in Mr. Kevin Keatsman of Kevin Keatsman has issues, great podcast, great K-Stater, and he's probably as mystified by what happened in Norman as I am. Keats, as you watched that game last Saturday, what's going through your head? Well, <laughs> what's going through my head is how bad is Kansas State in the year of COVID? I'm saying it's 21-7 at the half. They're lifeless. Then I thought, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment, Fitz. I call up a buddy. We go over to the other place in Shawnee. We order pizza. We're going to watch the game. There's some other K-State fans there. We're gluttons for punishment, all right? We're just going to go get in public and do this, and it's all good. And the place is dead, and you're like, oh, boy, this is awful. And we decide to stay because it's a nice day. We move outside onto the patio. A beautiful day. So we're outside on the patio now watching the game. There's a few K-State fans out there. I'm like, let's just give it a few more minutes. Uh, there's, it's been known that teams go in at the half and come back out fired up. K-State comes out, goes three and out, and then gives up a touchdown. I'm like, oh, my God, how bad are they this year? <laughs> did not see that coming at all. But what I did see is once they started to come back, that was, I mean, even through a TV screen, you could just feel the entire thing changing. Oklahoma just withered. They, they couldn't handle the pressure of a close game, and Kansas State out of nowhere was in that close game and dominating in so many ways. And people talk about Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn, great performances. What really changed that game was the defense, going as long as they did, holding Oklahoma scoreless, hitting them in the mouth, tackling on cue, squaring up, making tackles, pressure on the quarterback to where he was never comfortable in the pocket, completely changed the game. I mean, it, it really was. And I, and I look, I felt like the defense lost the first game against Arkansas State, but I'm going to give the defense more credit than the offense for coming back in that game because they were brilliant the last 20 minutes. Well, and as they went through that first half, how they only gave up 21 points is pretty remarkable. They had the two interceptions. They they got out of trouble on occasion. Uh, I thought Oklahoma was going to have 35 at halftime, and they probably should have. 
And when they went to halftime, I'm like, okay, the spread was 28. It dropped to 27 and a half. I kind of thought Oklahoma would cover that. They're going to win by four touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. I think this spread was pretty good. And then Jerron McPherson started lighting everyone up. And all of a sudden, Skylar Thompson kind of settled in. I thought Courtney Messingham's play calling evolved as the game went on. And they started to exploit some weaknesses on that defense. I thought it was a great job of adjusting by the coaches and by the players for rising up and executing. Man, I don't care what you're doing if you're playing football or you're writing a book or you know, you're know you're playing tennis with your buddy. If you don't do it with passion and effort and a competitive spirit that you want to win, you're not going to be very good. And it's like K-State woke up and said, hey, we're playing football. Let's go have fun and hit people. That's what the game's about. And and Oklahoma didn't like it one bit, and Spencer Rattler didn't like it one bit. Once yeah. in the fourth quarter, they started harassing him. Uh, we saw a freshman look like a freshman when everyone was comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Suddenly that stopped. The encouraging thing here is I think K-State rediscovered the level at which it must play emotionally to be successful. And if they can repeat that on Saturdays throughout this fall, they're going to have a lot of success in the Big 12, won't they? Well, that's an excellent point, and we're hearing from you know Chiefs players and players around the NFL that are saying that they're finding it hard to get up for some of these games with either very small crowds or nobody at all in the seats, that it is just different. It feels like a practice, that it's hard to be up, and you have to find a way. You have to find a way to do that. Kansas State did do that. There was a great sign in the, in the Chiefs game this past week. Eric Fisher, their left tackle, caught a touchdown pass, and he came over the sideline, and I think there were only like 500 people in the stadium in Baltimore. It was family and friends. Of the, if you lived with somebody that worked for the Ravens, you could come to the game. That's just how it basically worked. You had to get tested, you could come. So there's basically no crowd, and it's just a weird thing. And Eric Fisher caught that touchdown pass, and the NFL Films caught him over on the bench, and he's sitting there with his teammates. They go, man, what was that like? And he goes, I, I blacked out. I don't remember. I, I, my whole life flashed before my eyes. Jesus took the wheel, and I don't even remember the play. And it was funny. It was really funny when he said that to his teammates. They were giving him this hard time. And it was at that moment where I thought, okay, in this game, the Chiefs did something they didn't do in their first two games. They were at an emotional level, and the game meant so much that they were feeling the euphoria, the high of competing and beating another really good team, that things would happen like that to an Eric Fisher who's been in the league a long time and was a big draft pick. To me, that said the stadium could have been full or not full, and he wouldn't have known it, that they were in the moment. And I think maybe Kansas State got to the same place. And what's going to be curious to see is if the Wildcats carry that over – and now know how to perform with small crowds or no crowds and be up more often. You can't do it every snap, but to be up more often, man, they were a really good-looking football team when they looked like they were playing really hard. The thing they learned the most from this game was the fact that, hey, we can be successful even when COVID has taken a bite out of our lineup, missing seven starters or whatever the number that was put out there. They were missing a lot of players. And not just because of positives, as we've said over and over, contact tracing is just wreaking havoc with their roster. So it was almost like they said, you know what, we can win even though we've got backup corners and safeties playing out of spot and a corner at nickelback. We can we can still win. And I think that's a great message to send the program on down the season. Okay, we've always had guys leave because of injury. Now they're going to leave because of an illness or an infection or a possible exposure. And we just got to keep playing. And it, it is next man up personified. 
you've got to be ready at any time because you might be third string and start. You might be no string and start. I think that's where they were with the corners that they threw out there. They weren't even on the depth chart, and they were out there. It was just really interesting to me to see how much these players stepped forward and said, hey, we're missing our star, starting running back, we're missing a starting defense tackle, we're missing a starting safety. Let's just go play. And that's what this season's going to be about. It's going to be chaotic, uneven, and you got to play through it. I think we're going to hear some coaches, and Chris Kleiman will probably be one of them later this year, say, you know what, this COVID thing galvanized my team like, I, like no team I've ever had before. You know, I had guys that were walk-ons or third stringers that largely don't feel engaged. They don't get a lot of reps in practice. We asked them to come all off season and, and run and lift and do all the hard work, but they're not going to get on the field and play. By the way, playing football, being a football player and not playing in games would be the worst possible athletic experience I could think of because it just can't be that much fun to do all the other stuff if you don't get to go play the game. But I think what in Kansas State's category this year or situation is so many guys probably feel engaged in this and part of the team. It must be remarkable, the team atmosphere that you have right now, that everyone matters. Everyone counts. You know, even if you're a freshman that just got there and you're fourth on the depth chart, you may be playing, and they're all engaged in this thing. I'm guessing they're really galvanizing as a team right now. I would hope so. They weren't galvanized against Arkansas State. I think there was, you know, distractions around them. They didn't handle it well. They didn't handle the missing players well. They felt sorry for themselves, I think. They certainly didn't play with emotion coming out on their home field. Uh, I think that this team better have learned positive lessons about the effort with which they must play and the focus that they must have in preparation because you're going to get thrown into the fire. And the fire might be a redshirt freshman quarterback that everyone's writing down already for a Heisman Trophy in his career. And you have to overcome that. And they did a remarkable job. And, and you know what, Texas Tech, the team they play on Saturday, is kind of also a symptom of the pandemic. We don't really know if Texas Tech is as bad as it seems like, but they're one and one They should have beaten Texas. They beat a really bad Houston Baptist team by a few points. Uh, they give up tons of points. They score tons of points. They, it just seems to me, Keats, the more Texas Tech tries to get away from the Mike Leach chaos offense, the more they end up still doing it. It's like it's in their DNA now, and they can't stop these bad habits of scoring a bunch of points and not being able to stop anyone because the way they lost 63-56 to in overtime, to be up 15 points with three minutes to go and lose at home because you went into overtime and you gave up, you know, what, 22 straight points in the last three-plus minutes with overtime – uh, it's sickening. It's horrible. You gave up 63 points on your home field, and now you're going on the road. I really like K-State in this game, but they've got to play with that kind of energy because, you know what, I think Texas Tech's better than Arkansas State, and Arkansas State beat them. So uh, it really it's going to be that kind of season. It's going to be chaos well, all around. I agree, and you really touched on something with Tech because what they remember is being ranked – Seventh in the country, Texas coming in ranked number four, whatever it was, and they beat them on a Saturday night, and everybody's throwing tortillas, and life is great. They remember those days and that offense, and it didn't win the Big 12 for them, and it didn't get them to the national title or anything like that, but those were the glory days for Tech, and they can't let go of that. They remember those offenses. They remember the players. Patrick Mahomes is part of this thing now. They, they, they have the lore of the Tech quarterback, the Tech offense. 
and they don't want to let that go, or at least it looks to me like they don't want to let that go, which is really interesting when you look at Kansas State because there are similarities between Chris Kleiman and Bill Snyder. You, you wouldn't think there's a lot of them, okay? Certainly Kleiman isn't as eccentric or demanding or, or a lot of the things that Bill Snyder was through the years. But when you look at how Kansas State won last year and the way they won last Saturday, how'd they do it? They did it with grittiness. They did it with toughness. They did it with two- and three-star players or guys third on the depth chart. They did it with teamwork and execution and a lunch pail attitude of we've got to go outwork the other guys. The big recruits are over there. The NFL draft choices are on that side. We're going to out-scheme you. We're going to out-think you. We're going to out-coach you, and we're going to out-hustle you. And I think for the second half of that game on Saturday, it would be pretty hard to argue that that didn't happen. You know, there's a little meme out there of Chris Kleiman, a picture of him in his his little, I don't know if you've seen it, Fitz, the beach shirt. He's got his little beach shirt on. He's at the beach and he's holding a baby <laughs> and, and the baby, the head on the baby is Lincoln Riley, the coach at, at, uh, at Oklahoma and quite well taken. I mean, he's clearly out coached that guy in two straight games. So there's similarities to the way you win in Manhattan and because of Bill Snyder and what his impact was there. And I think there's similarity of the Mike Leach in the, the succession of coaches after that with Texas Tech. And once you've had success at a school with a certain way, it's pretty hard to let go of. Man, I did a talk show this week with my buddies down in Lubbock. I've known them a long time. They do a great job covering Texas Tech sports. And, I, you know, they asked me about Deuce Vaughn, and I said, well, thank you, State of Texas, for, you know, kind of casting this kid aside because he's only five foot five. You know, when you're at Texas or even TCU or Baylor, you don't take the five foot five running back. You take the other guy who's five eleven or six foot, and looks more like an NFL guy. Um, Deuce Vaughn is the latest poster child for succeeding in football at Kansas State. You, you take the guy who can make a difference for you, but doesn't fit some of the physical norms for the other programs. Tyler Lockett's too small, uh, but he can run. And he'll never be able to, you know, be open consistently because he's so small. Deuce Vaughn slash Darren Sproles, too small, won't be able to pass block, won't be able to do this. And that's the kind of players that K-State can get, will get, and um, it's not like they don't want a big running back. They'd love to have a big running back that's an NFL-type guy. But Deuce Vaughn, yeah, he's, as Chris Kleiman said, a a generational-type guy. You don't get a raw talent like this very often or a kid of this – quality, a young man who comes into his first year of college football mentally prepared to play, you don't get that very often. It sets a tone in your locker room. And it's really more about what he does on six days a week than Saturdays because the tone he sets with his preparation and and uh, is K-State's ability to go grab his assets that he brings to the table and accentuate those, I think that encourages recruits and really helps your locker room. I'm Deuce Vaughn's a stud, and I don't care if he's five foot five and twenty-five pounders pounds lighter than Darren Sproles. He's going to win you a lot of games in the Big Twelve because he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it, and he showed it against Oklahoma. Well, you and I combined probably have about seventy years of covering football at all kinds of different levels, and I've heard a lot of different explanations of how hard the work is that you put in in football and how the payoff is on Saturday or Sunday in the NFL or Friday night. If you're a high school player, I've never heard it described like Deuce Vaughn after the game last week. It was just classic. His dad is a scout for the Dallas Cowboys. He's been in football his whole life. He said, he said, my dad taught me that college football is like an ATM. 
And I'm waiting for this. I'm like, oh, God, what is he going to say next? He goes, you know, you put your money in all week long, and then you take it out on Saturday and you have fun. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What a great metaphor for football. Now, that's not good financial advice. You know, (laughs) keep your money in the bank. Don't take it all out and blow it. But that's a college student. If you have a part-time job in college, what do you do? You put your money in the ATM all week, and then you go out on Saturday and you spend it all. And that's what he was saying he was doing in football. And I I just thought that was a – man, that kid is full of life, Fitz. He sounds like he is really filled with life. Yeah, he's impressive. He really, really is impressive as a young man. We've had a true freshman sit down on a Zoom call for the first two games and take questions. It's incredible. It – uh, and handle himself like a gentleman. I, I do wonder if they got him on a booster seat or something. Uh, <laughs> they have to lower the camera for him. He is so small. I mean, it's amazing. He's lighter and shorter than Darren Sproles, and yet you can see those type of things, and you really get nervous about making those comparisons. But when he breaks four tackles on his way to almost scoring, you're like, that looks familiar, doesn't it? It's awfully fun. And that's – you mentioned the the common – traits between Bill Snyder and Chris Kleiman, and here's another one. We don't have so many playmakers that we can scatter them around the field and cause you problems. Sounds like the Chiefs. I've got these guys, and I've got this guy who does this really well, and this guy who does this really well, and this guy who does that really well, and we're going to do that. That's what We're going to pick our fights. Uh, Skyler's going to run the ball close to the end zone, and Deuce is going to catch the ball out of the backfield, running some patterns against your linebackers you can't possibly stop, and Briley Moore is going to run up here, stop, catch the ball, and pick up a first down. We're going to keep doing that over and over. Uh, and you don't have as many weapons, but, boy, you highlight those weapons. You, you know that Tyler Lockett's going to get free on you. You know that Darren Sproles is going to get the ball or they're going to throw him a screen. It's just the way it is with K-State. Uh, you're not going to get as much, but you got enough to win, and that's what they did at Oklahoma. Yeah, well said. It was a lot of fun to watch, and I, I'm excited for the season. I mean, it's amazing the turnaround after the disappointing part of losing to Arkansas State, and then the comeback win against Oklahoma. The Cats are in this race. I mean, maybe everybody's in the race. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the Big Twelve. It looks pretty hard to predict at this point, but the Cats are certainly in it. There's, you cannot dispute that they are capable of winning this league. Whether you can go do it or not, you may, you know, you always need some breaks and things like that. Whether it actually happens is another discussion, but they are definitely in the hunt. They really are. This is a huge game because you can kind of continue your momentum. You were almost sad that that game ended. Well, part of you were happy the game ended with K-State ahead because I was fearing that the momentum could switch back at any moment. Um, Now people down in Oklahoma said, in in hindsight, that game would have just gotten worse. Uh, Oklahoma was just shut down and they were done playing and it would have gotten worse. But you hope now K-State can continue that into a game against Texas Tech, a very beatable opponent, uh, in my opinion. They don't play defense. And, uh, you know, I, I like I like Texas Tech. I mean, I think Alan Bowman's a good quarterback, but I don't know that he's going to win you much of anything. He's going to put up some stats because that's what – this Matt Wells offense also does, but he's not going to win you a ton of games. And if K-State can knock him around and not get nickeled and dimed on with their defense, I think K-State's going to be in a pretty good situation on Saturday. And you win that, go to TCU against a depleted team, that's going to be tough. And come home for Kansas. I really like this stretch, but now they just need to pick them off, Keats. And when you're dealing with 18 to 21, 22, 23-year-olds, or in the case of the linebackers, 35-year-olds, 
Um, you, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from week to week from them. They're kids. Uh, and if you can keep them focused and locked in, uh, you're going to be in good shape. That's one of the things Bill Snyder did that I'm, I'm still curious to see if Chris Kleiman can do that because with the big victories they had last year, they also had some real clunkers. I mean, losing to West Virginia at home was a clunker. Uh, and so if they can kind of get over that, put that Arkansas State game in the past and start picking off the opponents they need to pick off, I'm going to feel really, really good about the future of the program because they're recruiting at a higher level now too. No, it's it's very exciting. There's no question it's exciting because, you know, this year whatever happens, happens. And I'd kind of resign myself to, hey, it's a COVID year. It's weird. We're not going to hold a whole lot of people accountable. But if, if Chris Kleiman wants to go out there and go 7-2 and two in the Big 12 this year, I think, I think the – the verdict is in. We'll know. We'll know exactly what Kansas State and Chris Kleiman are, and the rest of the Big 12 is just going to have to deal with it. Because I, I, and, and that would be fantastic if that happened. I don't know if it will. Kansas State hasn't played enough good football yet this year to say, hey, they are that. If they start to show consistency, if they go out and play three of four quarters this Saturday of winning football or you know, and win, win the game by 17 points or 20 points, people are going to start talking about Kansas State. But you do. you got to bring it week in and week out. And I do think Bill Snyder in his tenure, like mentally and physically exhausted his players over the course of the season because yeah. every day was like the end of the world. I don't think Chris Kleiman is like that. And that probably explains why there could be some lapses along the way that maybe Bill Snyder didn't have. But I, I really like his style. I like the way he does it. He doesn't panic. He seems in control over there. They made a nice adjustment last week. If I'm not mistaken, did they put, they put like a third defensive end in and take out one of the interior defensive yeah. lineman and that's really what improved the pass rush and that's a that's a hard thing for a coach to do that says look we you know we got to stop the run first I, you know i think that's probably the way kansas state thinks that's a hard move to make but man it paid off big yeah once they put spencer rattler into the position of needing to throw the ball a little bit more they did they went to the what used to be known as the jet pack is a smaller lineman that get after the quarterback and they just were unblockable it was it was really brilliant to watch um, you know, a, a thing about this pandemic season is, is if you're Kansas State or if you're Kansas, if you're any program that is trying to retool the program with freshmen, you know, bring up a bunch of young guys and get them ready to play. K-State's still taking a few JUCOs. K, KU's decided not to do it at all, which I support what the idea behind that. Let's put it that way. This season doesn't count. This these freshmen are going to play in games and be freshmen again. And even if they play in all ten games, they're freshmen again next year. Uh, you're you're going to end up with a giant mega class here of your combined 2020 and 21 recruits all being freshmen together, basically uh, in eligibility. But that's when you really start to build it up. When you get those guys to their fourth and fifth year, when it's actually their fifth and sixth year, oh, uh, that's that's when you're going to get pretty good programs. And if you're Kansas State, that times really well with Chris Kleiman. That means he's now the entire roster now belongs to him in terms of recruiting. It's all his players. And oh yeah, the guys that played in 2020 are now sixth year seniors but fifth year in eligibility um, if they do ever redshirt. It's it's a real opportunity, and everything you can accomplish this season is just extra gold, extra gravy, however you want to say it. It's just extra. Uh, and you move on to next year, and 
Everyone will put an asterisk by this year. Unless you feel really good about what you did, then you'll talk about it. Hey, let's see him go win a trophy, and we'll just pour gravy over the top. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that's a that's a that's we need perfect. more we need more gravy in football. That's that's right. The whole season is just gravy. Go get it, man. Go get it. His name's Kevin Keatsman. He's an absolute pro and been a longtime friend. Keats, so glad we're doing this together. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me as always, man. It's great fun. When we return on the Powercat pregame show, we will turn our attention to our analysts in roundtable fashion. Ryan Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Kelly Stewart with the gambling aspect of this whole thing next after this break on the Powercat pregame show. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Selling a little... Or a lot. <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we now send it back to the power cat podcast Welcome back to the Powercat pregame show brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Now we are joined by our own expert, Ryan Wallace. He handles recruiting and team coverage for us at Go Powercat. And Wally, I'm just going to throw you in the deep end of the pool here. Can you explain Texas Tech to me? I I mean, it seems like they should be improved, 
But what I've seen just looks like old Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech right now. And they can score a lot of points but not win enough games. And I don't see a difference here between Matt Wells and Kingsbury. Am I being too quick to make that judgment because Wells doesn't have his guys? Well, I'm I'm a I'm a Matt Wells fan. You know, I really appreciated everything that he did and really grew to respect the product that he put on the field at Utah State. So, you know, maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. My gut tells me that um, you know, it's just a matter of, of getting his philosophy going in Lubbock. Now, that being said, Chris Kleiman, and you could even argue Neil Brown at West Virginia, haven't seemed to struggle with, uh, you know, getting their ideas and, like, their concepts ingrained into their program. So why is it taking Matt Wells so long? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, he brought in the right guys on offense, um, to continue with what Cliff Kingsbury had going with the Red Raiders as far as kind of that air raid attack. And so maybe that's why we're seeing them hit their stride or continuing their stride more on offense than on defense. But, yeah, defensively, uh, I'll throw it back to you by saying this, Fitz. I went back and watched a little bit of their game against Houston Baptist and a little bit of their game against Texas. And while I realized they're not Oklahoma, both times that I put the tape on, I'm just going – my God, this team is slow. <laughs> like, there's just <laughs> I, it, it will be a completely different world than what K State saw last Saturday. It, it's hard for me to believe that they're having these issues. They had issues with Houston Baptist. I mean, we had a funny discussion on the Powercat Questions podcast. We didn't even know their mascot. I mean, we I, I barely knew Houston Baptist played football let alone uh, had a field so dinky that there's a CVS pharmacy right behind the fence, behind the opposing bench. I mean, literally within feet. It's just comical that they had those issues. And then they play well enough to be ahead of Texas by 15 in the third, in the, excuse me, three minutes left in the fourth quarter and lost. I mean, that takes a special kind of bad to do that. That's just they can't play defense, man. They just don't. There's no culture of defense in Lubbock. They haven't recruited for defense in Lubbock. And it's going to be a painful switchover trying to get to better players on that side of the ball because they're, what the next step is adding defensive players and the offense won't be as good. So it's just going to be a vicious cycle for a little while until they get it settled down. But it's a mess. And with all of that said, they could win in Manhattan. Because we saw Arkansas State win in Manhattan. And if you don't come with your chin strap locked down for every game this year and totally focused, I mean 60 minutes of focus, ask, ask Oklahoma, you're going to lose. And uh, that's where K-State sits. They better be prepared and ready to play this all the way through the final buzzer or they will lose this game. Yeah, I do feel a little bit better, you know, with K-State coming into this game, having played an Arkansas State offense, having played especially an Oklahoma offense, from the, from the sheer thing of, of the schematics are very similar in, you know, what Lincoln Riley wants to do uh, and spread the ball out, spread the, de- spread the opponent's defense out, um, you know, and then work in some run. It's, it's the same kind of concept with Texas Tech. Uh, you know, they want to put the ball in T.J. Vasher's hands. Um, and, and again, he's a big receiver. So K-State's kind of seen that already with Arkansas State. Uh, they've got a, a capable running back in Sir Roderick Thompson. 
Um, K-State's, you know, seen some running backs at least. I thought Oklahoma had some decent runners, um, although they were young. Um, so, again, I think based on the Arkansas State and Oklahoma game having come right before Texas Tech, I feel a little bit better as opposed to, you know, somebody else. You know, maybe if Texas Tech were before Oklahoma, you know, sandwiched between Oklahoma and Arkansas State, maybe I'd feel a little different. But I do feel like this K-State defense – um, you know, has a little confidence going to them. And they, they've seen some offenses to this point. So I don't think there's anything that Texas Tech's going to throw at them that, that will be a surprise. I answered a, or had a reply in my afterthoughts column from the Chris Kleiman press conference when he was asked about the play of Jerron McPherson, Christian Duffy, and Khalid Duke coming back. Uh, Mac tried to go in the first game but got injured so really this was their first games as a total I kind of believe that if any of those guys had played against Arkansas State they probably would have won that's how close the teeter-totter was going one direction or the other but putting all three on the field at Oklahoma Duffy made a huge difference with the offensive line if you're bad at left tackle you're bad at the offensive line you're this is the way it is and he kind of locked that down a little bit Showed some aggression out there. I liked it a lot. J-Mac just brought a real physicality and ball ball awareness that this defense lacked for the first, what, six quarters. And Khalid Duke's just a – I mean, he's a difference maker on the defensive line in passing situations. He is the consummate edge speed rusher that K-State has desperately needed for a while. And they've kind of just gotten by. I mean, Wyatt Hubert isn't that guy. Wyatt Hubert's a power rusher um, that can, you know, is very athletic. But Cleed Duke, he's a guy that a tackle can't handle. And it really looked like that in the fourth quarter. I think all of those guys made K State drastically better. Uh, and uh, that's why they wanted Oklahoma. And, and Fitz. Heck, I'd, I'd throw in a fourth name for uh, as far as a game changer in, in my eyes, and I know you're going to agree with this one when I say it, and that's Noah Johnson. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Noah played in, against Arkansas State. He played in two snaps in the very first series, and then he got injured, tried to come back in. They threw him in at guard for, I think, a series. You could tell that it, it was not going to work for him, and he was gone. Uh, he ends up coming back against Oklahoma, plays the extent of the game at center, and when you couple that with Christian Duffy on the left side, it was a dramatic change for the offensive line. Once they kind of got into a rhythm, uh, I would say between maybe mid-second quarter, certainly after halftime, that was a different group. Jerron McPherson, athletically, he brings so much to the, to the secondary. Uh, you know, we talk about his hits. You know, we talk uh, ball awareness was a, a great way to describe him from you. But just overall, just his, his uh, maturity back there, uh, and the way that he, he has developed mentally, um, the game seems to have really slow down for him. And I think that's more of his natural position. And hopefully when you can get Wayne Jones back, um, you know, to full strength and, and he's back at his comfortable position um, alongside McPherson, uh, that's a darn good duo. And then with Khalid Duke, uh, I would argue that uh, Khalid Duke was the biggest difference maker on defense. I think without Khalid Duke putting pressure on Spencer Rattler, you know, maybe Jerron McPherson doesn't get some of those opportunities um, to be a game changer in the secondary. Khalid Duke uh, is everything that the doctor ordered from the Arkansas State game because, as expected, Wyatt Hubert's going to get a lot more attention this year. And like you said, he's just not the speed rusher 
but when you can couple that with a speed rusher on the other end and maybe free Wyatt up of some double teams, again, Joe Klanerman couldn't ask for anything better um, in, in heading into week three after what we saw against week in week one. And then on top of all that, Fitz, there are even more guys. Echo Boydo played oh. played his butt off. Uh, Ross Elder is is a walk on, but a guy that they think really highly of. You know, he's a step up. With all due respect, um, from Brock Monty and some of the guys that we saw out there in Week One. So, uh, you know, Jalen Pickle. The, the list goes on and on. I think so long as K State stays healthy, as long as K State, and that's a big if. Um, we got a, a small dose, a small dose of what this team could be, um, not just this year, but in the future in Norman. Well, they went with new cornerbacks at the start of the game and moved A.J. Parker to the nickel. Very intriguing to take your best corner and put him at nickel. But I think they're really concerned about everyone using bigger receivers against K-State's corners. And you know what? I really liked A.J. Parker at the nickel. I thought he gave them a great coverage guy in the slot, and that that little sucker comes up and hits people. I'll be interested to see if they move him back to corner or if he's going to be a nickel for the rest of the season because he looked pretty good. Yeah, and I would say that they probably have better uh, veteran depth at corner than they do at nickel. That They have some guys at nickel that obviously they like a lot. You know, we've heard Coach Kleiman talk about T.J. Smith, the true freshman, um, is starting to come into his own. I don't know if he's quite ready just yet. And obviously, Will Jones had a pretty darn good game, all things considered, against Arkansas State. Um, but again, those two guys are very experienced when you compare them with Parker. Um, but overall, that was one of the big things that I know Van Malone, when he got hired at Kansas State, really wanted to get going uh, at the cornerback spot. And even Nickel, it's, it's more links. Um, it's not even so much that the guys are, are tall necessarily. I think Echo Boydo is only about 5'11 or 6' foot um, in height, but his, his re- wingspan, his reach is phenomenal. Um, and so when you get a guy like Cam, you get Justin Gardner, who's 6'2", A.J. Parker's got some, some length to him. He's always been one of the taller corners uh, that Tom Hayes had uh, in the end of the, the Bill Snyder era there. Um, they, they want more of those guys, guys that can fly to the ball, but guys that have a little bit of reach and some wingspan that can, you know, if, if you're beat a little bit in your speed, maybe you can make up for it and, and, and disrupt a pass by getting a hand in there late. And that's exactly what we saw from K-State. Interestingly enough, it's, I think Oklahoma is maybe starting to second-guess some of their recruiting techniques by just going out and getting the best, fastest athlete um, in, in their secondary. Because if you look across their board, uh, they're all 5'10", 5'11", and uh, that's been a sore spot to their defense for a couple of years. Maybe they need to take a note from K-State and you know generate some more height at cornerback. Well, that's a very good point. Moving on to the next topic, Deuce Vaughn. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I've got a crush on him. I'm just going to say it. I got... I mean, how do you not? I mean, this is a true freshman that comes in, and he's ready to play, and he's incredibly mature in the way he handles himself in post-game press conferences, and he's mature on the field, but he can only do so much. I mean, he is just a true freshman, still learning, and he is only 5'5", 180. I don't even know what he, how light he is. Coach Kleiman talked about they will stay with running back by committee. They'll get Harry Trotter back from COVID at some point. 
Keon Mosey stepped up, played a little bit. Um, we saw some other guys get into the action. It, it's just been interesting to me that they love the committee, but you got to agree, Deuce Vaughn's going to be the chairman of the board in that, in that committee room for the rest of the season because he is special. He's special, um, but one thing that, that I have started to, to question and, and wonder about, maybe maybe question's the wrong word because so far so good, but there is some worry from me, and, and I think you're kind of alluding to it, Fitz, with, you know, Deuce Vaughn, I don't know if he's ever going to be a bell cow because I don't know if, if that's what's going to make Deuce Vaughn be as good as he has been these last two weeks. I don't know if giving him the ball, you know, 10, 15 times a game is really what's going to make him pop. Uh, what makes him pop is the fact that, you know, you sprinkle him in as a rusher, you sprinkle him in as a receiver, you get him in matchups that, that benefit him um, and, and let him create in space. So I think it's, it's essential, and I know fans are going to want to see, you know, more deuce, more deuce, more deuce. But having Jacardier come in uh, from time to time, getting Harry Trotter back, getting um, Tyler Burns going a little bit more, and maybe even Keon Mosey, that's going to help get Deuce Vaughn in more of these situations that, that help K-State and help him to create. So um, the more that they can use him in as many fast fashions as they can, the better for Deuce and the better for K-State. I, just, I think that that's what's going to work, and I think that's, that's how you get the, more, the most explosiveness out of Deuce is, you know, put him in the spot, spot um, make him a receiver, um, get him coming on reverses, all sorts of stuff, as opposed to we're going to line you up next to Skyler and, and you know, run you through A-gap. Uh, let, let somebody else do that uh, and, and use Deuce in as many other ways as possible, and you'll, you'll continue to get this type of productivity and production out of him. Thank you, Wally. Always good stuff from you. And now it's time for the offensive lineman to speak, Brian Hanley, our football analyst and former Kansas State guard on the 1997 and 98 teams. Man, hey, hey. Uh, yeah. Well, let's go back to it. We did, the, of course, the, the post-game podcast, which we had our immediate reactions. But in hindsight, Brian, I'm really impressed with how much better the offensive line got by game's end. In the fourth quarter, that was a pretty decent offensive line getting it done. They were just kind of handling a pretty good Oklahoma front. Yeah, it was amazing. What a little confidence. You know, just having a little confidence, a little little game confidence will do for you because that's what it seemed like. It just it seemed like they they got a little confidence, got some some plays under their belt that were good, and then it just snowballed. Uh, which, again, when you're dealing with kids, that happens a lot. So I'm proud of the guys. You know, they they competed. And I know I've, I've beat that word up, but I'm going to continue to beat it up, is they competed. And if you compete, you're giving yourself a chance. That's all that anybody asks, is just give yourself a chance, because who knows? And when you compete to the end and they did not quit – that's exactly what can happen. Good things happen. You just got to keep going, keep competing. And the O-line did that. Very proud of them. You know, that's interesting. You bring up competing. I feel like this entire team and the O-line was a reflection of that for the first seven quarters mostly of this football season weren't full throttle competing. 
They were somewhat yeah. going through the motions, somewhat worried about being in the right place and doing the right thing. And then at some point late in the third quarter, fourth quarter in Norman, they just started playing football and competing at a high level. They were hitting yep. harder. They were executing better. They were running better. Skyler was throwing better. Just when you really lock in and you compete, you can uh-huh. be a pretty good football team. And that's what they did. And that's how they came back and beat Oklahoma. But can they sustain it? That is my ongoing question. Was that a fleeting moment? Or is this now what we're going to see moving forward? Well, this is this week's going to be a key to, to figuring that out. Because especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Tech gave up over 60 points. You know, so um, if there's going to be – if if there's going to be some continual growth on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to have to be there. And it, and, and I'm not discounting the other side of the football. I'm just saying this week to move the football on offensive side, we should be able to continue to do that. I mean, it doesn't look like tech. It's a typical tech team. They don't put up much resistance on the defensive side of the ball. They go really fast on offense. So we're going to have our hands full, but I also saw cracks in their offensive line. And if our defensive line plays the way that they did the last quarter against OU, we'll be able to put pressure on them and be in position to make plays. So we'll see. This is a very good test to see if we can continue. It's almost like we're glad this game is coming because, Hey, who knows how good tech really is. Personally, I don't know that they're that good. Um, I saw, I, I, saw a little bit of the first game. I saw the game last week. This is a game that I believe K-State should win. Um, But who knows? Like I said, the young guys, let's see if we can keep the momentum going and build something here. Because if Coach Kleiman wants to build a program, these are the games that you have to win after coming off the the huge high. You're going to come down a notch, but you got to still perform. So if we're trying to build the program, this is Coach Snyder's M.O., I'll just flat out on it. That was his M.O. Yeah, we can get the big win, but you know what? We could win five or six games on top of that, too. So that's how you build a program. Yeah, they just kind of have to find that gear and stay in it for a prolonged period, which, you know, they had big wins last year, but then they had some really disappointing losses. So you can't yes. can't keep rebounding back and forth. That's exhausting for your fan base and your program. But yes. Texas Tech appears to be – the perfect team at the perfect time because they will test this defense. They will score points, but right. Kansas State, quite simply put, should outscore Texas Tech. They're not yes. very good. And, no. And I, in watching that game against Texas, I learned one thing. Texas isn't very good either. So nope. this conference is wide open, and you've got an opportunity here on this Saturday in Manhattan, Kansas, to – perpetuate your playing style to emphatically say, Hey, forget Arkansas state. We're in the big 12 games now, and we're going to be the team to beat. It's weird to say after losing that Arkansas state game, but K state is indeed in that position. Now that they beat Oklahoma. Absolutely. They're absolutely in that position. And they just have to, again, keep competing, keep battling. I mean, this is their, I mean, if you just look at it, and it's kind of what you said, I know it's weird to say, but it's their conference to lose. Now, we got a long way to go, and last Saturday was just one game, but 
why can't it just be the start of something? I mean, who says that it can't be more? You know, who says that this can't just be the kickoff point? I believe that it should be. And if we're going to want to get to the program to where we need it to be and where we want it to be, this has to be just the beginning. Just the beginning. We don't have time to have these. We already had the hiccup. Well, that's over. So now it's time to get going and, and get moving with the season. And here we are. Let's get it going. Let's string together some wins. Well, Alan Bowman is a experienced quarterback for Texas Tech. Uh, you know, he, he played last year. He's only a sophomore, but he's got lo- – whoa, what the heck? Thank you for doing that. Um, he's got a lot of uh, experience with him, but he still makes some mistakes. After watching what the Kansas State's defense did to a really, really talented quarterback and Spencer Rattler last week, a guy that had only three incompletions through three quarters, and then they really got after him in the fourth quarter, and he went four of 12. It was a shocking change, but it all happened, Brian, because all of a sudden the front four was getting pressure without helps of without the help of linebackers and safeties and corners. They were winning the point of attack consistently on every snap and rattled a young quarterback and got to him. They've got to do that with Bowman again. They can't be just throwing a bunch of uh, blitzes at him because they need those guys in coverage against this passing scheme of Coach Matt Wells. I hope, I hope they're healthy along that line and we can see more Khalid Duke uh, and his impact on this team because it was significant as that game progressed in Norman. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the whole key to a good pass defense. A lot of people think it's the back seven, and it is them for you know a good extent, but you have to have a front four. And the more the K-State can get pressure on the quarterback with just four guys, the better off we were going to be because that was literally the key. We had guys back in coverage. We didn't have to blitz. We didn't have to bring third, you know, surprise rushers. We just said, you know what? We're going to line up. Our guys are going to beat your guys so our back seven can cover your guys. And that's exactly what happened. It's going to have to happen this week because although Tech is the typical Tech team, that part of the typical Tech team means they score a lot of points. Yeah. So we got to be able to slow them down. I feel like K-State can go into their kind of speed rush package they use quite a bit against Oklahoma more often than it, the Wildcats will typically be able to because as of now, Tech is throwing the ball 39 – or excuse me, running the ball 39% of the time. I mean, they're, they're throwing it a lot with, with moderate success. I mean, they're doing pretty well. Bowman's completing two-thirds of his passes. It all looks nice. But you almost lost to Houston Baptist and you blew a lead against Texas. I think these offenses are fool's gold uh, over the yeah. long run. Now, over the long run, I, I salute Mike Leach and what he did with his pirate ship sailing into Starkville and, and winning at LSU. He will do that to teams. He always has done that to teams. But I don't believe that these offenses win you much of anything other than a bunch of games, which is nice. It's fulfilling. But if you're really not competing for conference titles, let alone trying to get into your into the playoff, what's it really mean? I hate these offenses, Brian. I just hate them I, I, because they put your defense in a horrible position. I think it's bad football overall. It's just kind of entertaining and and tickles the senses of your fans and and fills them up with 
you know, like bad calories, empty calories. Uh, That's exactly. That's a great way to put it. I just don't like it at all. And um, uh, I think I think Tech's in big trouble continuing, perpetuating this desire to be all about offense. They've got to break this cycle. And I thought they were going to do it when they brought in the new coach. I thought, you know, he's going to start using tight ends. I thought he was going to start bringing in fullbacks and they were going to run the ball a little bit more, but nope, they sure didn't. And it, it, you, you're right. You do not win that way. Nobody wins that way. I mean, you can look back and there's been some flash in the pans where like an Oregon, but you know what? Oregon was predicated on running the ball. That was, so that's what people didn't didn't realize, like Oregon and the Auburns. You know, when they spread you out, they didn't just they spread you out, but they there was they ran the ball first, and that's what they wanted to do was run the ball first. These air raid teams that just air it out. I mean, they're not beating anybody, and it's just what you said. You get into a bad streak where you get three three and outs in a row that your offense is off the field in forty five seconds. Your defense is just dead tired. Just dead touch, and then you have to win shootouts. And that's just, it's just, I don't know, like you said, yeah, the fans will be happy for a while, but when you don't compete, who really cares? Who really cares? And nobody, and this is not a slight against tech, I go, but to be honest, people don't really, they don't take them seriously. And then, and this is why. No, it's kind of a sideshow. Matt Wells rolls into Lubbock from. Uh, Logan, Utah. He had great success at Utah State. He's a great coach. There's no, I have no doubt about that. But what he ran into in Lubbock is a culture of offensive football. And oh, by the way, we didn't bother to recruit many defensive players over the last four yep. years. So here, here's your roster. So I, will I, will he get better? I think so. I I do. But um, I I can tell you this: if I'm a defensive player or a defensive coach. I want nothing to do with coaching in Lubbock. Nothing. No. It's a career killer. It, it it just makes you look bad. And I think yep. they're just in a vicious cycle that uh, it's going to be hard to break it. And they're here they are again, not playing defense yeah. and throwing the ball, and I wish them luck. Yeah, until they decide that they're going to do a complete overhaul, um, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be the same. Uh, it's a shame because it's fine. It's okay university, but uh, it's it's not going to be any different. They're just not going to be relevant. They'll, win, they'll surprise a team here or there. They'll beat a Texas. They'll beat an OU. They'll beat a K-State from time to time. Uh, but they're, they, they, they just, you know, you can have those flash in the pans, but you're also going to lose four or five ball games a year, and that's just what's going to happen. Thank you, Brian Hanley. And now let's bring in the one and only – Kelly in Vegas. Kelly Stewart. Uh, Kelly, I'm glad I didn't vote. Uh, vote. I, I'm glad I didn't bet on that K-State Oklahoma game. I would have bet the over. I would have bet uh, K, or excuse me, I would have bet Oklahoma covering. I didn't see any way K-State was going to win. And it's the second straight year I've made this mistake. So K-State fans, get ready. I'm going to predict Oklahoma in blowout fashion for the rest of my life because this seems to work. <laughs> that was. It's it's better that way, don't you think? Oh yeah. Then, then the, the wins just make you so much happier because you never saw them coming. Uh, truth be told, Tim, listen, I said last week I beating Oklahoma two years in a row. K State has never done in my lifetime. They may have never done it at all that I know of. 
Um, but it, it's just the truth. Listen, when you have a team like Oklahoma full of five-star recruits and a team like Kansas State full of two- and three-star recruits, every once in a while those five-star recruits are going to get their asses handed to them, and that's what happened because sometimes heart plays over talent. Uh, I think the K-State defense did a really good job of taking Spencer Rattler out of his – we'll call it his game plan and how he wanted the game to play out and uh, was really able to stop the run. And to be able to do that against this really talented Oklahoma team was very impressive. Well, sometimes they're five stars and they've been better than everyone else their entire lives. And they really haven't faced adversity. They haven't faced having to perform at a high level in the fourth quarter against a defense that's attacking you and putting you out of your comfort zone. And that's what Spencer Rattler looked like. It looked like, hey, football is easy for three quarters. Football is easy. Yeah, I throw interceptions once in a while, but I'm Spencer Rattler. It's okay. And then the fourth quarter, Khalid Duke and Wyatt Hubert and the defensive tackles all of a sudden were in his grill. They couldn't run the ball. He had to throw it. They took away his little check down he was loving, and he just freaked out. He completed four of 12 passes in the, in the final quarter, and that defined him better than the first three quarters. He's really good. Spencer Rattler's really good, and and if he learns from this, he's going to be really good. But for now, he can expect to see a lot of pressure from a lot of teams because he did not respond in that game. I know we're going to talk about K-State first, but that's actually why I have my little I have my little paperwork out here. I'm looking at Iowa State, and I haven't made a bet yet, but that's why I have Iowa State circled because I think we gave Matt Campbell the blueprint on how yeah. to beat Oklahoma, and I don't think a lot of things change over a week's time, and I think if Iowa State puts that same kind of pressure on him, I think, too, they can come away with the win. And they have a veteran quarterback that – can win big games. Um, he had a horrendous interception against TCU, but um, you know that when you got a Brock Purdy, you, you're going to be in games like that, and he can position them as well as Skyler Thompson did for Kansas State last week. I'm showing OU a touchdown favorite. I'd take Iowa State on that. I think if even if OU wins, it's going to be a really close game up at Ames. Yeah, we know that Ames won't have their traditional home field advantage, but there will still be fans there. And I think this Iowa State team got embarrassed by ULL. That was my upset special for week number one. And I think that last week they said, hey, look, uh, we're on the ropes to, to not great TCU team. That was still an interesting call there by Gary Patterson at the end, especially with the spread in play. But, man, I, I definitely have Iowa State on my long list, and we'll probably get to the window at least plus the seven and a half, if not a little sprinkle on the money line. Well, let's look at Kansas State with Texas Tech coming to Manhattan. K-State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, which normally would be your home field bump. I don't know. Are, is that still being observed with limited crowds? <laughs> So the thing is, is interesting with college football versus NFL is college football and breeds home field advantage. We know that the Chiefs have a great home field advantage, Seattle, New Orleans. Um, but for the most part, home field advantage doesn't mean a lot to the NFL, where K-State at 5 p.m. on a Saturday is going to have one of the best home field advantages. Ames, Iowa, um, particularly during basketball season, you know, against a Big 12 rival. Those kind of environments, yes, absolutely. But we try not to buy into it too much because you have to remember there is 
some familiarity. But yeah, we've seen it this year really take a dive. I'd still give the Cats a one-point home field advantage here. But this kind of is, is frustrating to me because I was also on Texas Tech last week, and they had a chance to beat Texas as 17.5-point underdogs. You know what? That's hindsight is 2020. The running back should have just fallen down at some point in time, burned out the clock, but instead they gave Texas enough time to put it into overtime. It, it's really one of those type of plays you go, man, that was kind of a bonehead move. I understand you want to be the hero, but that didn't work out very well for them. But I think really this week, K-State's very overvalued. I think this game should be a pick em. K-State laying two and a half makes me very nervous. Oh, that's interesting. I, I look at Texas Tech as a team that maybe is going to be in a lot of games, but because of that defense, they're going to find a way to lose. And um, I think they'll be losing a lot of close games this year, not because they're competitive, but because they know how to lose close games. They just have a dreadful defense. That, to give they, up those they kind really of do. And normally I would look to back Texas Tech here um, in that kind of letdown spot from Kansas State coming off that big win. But you nailed it, Tim. That's why I can't. Uh, I don't trust them. We, they could be in this game late and allow, you know, Skylar Thompson to dink and dunk his way down the field. Late field goal, K-State gets the cover. Uh, I, I think I'm going to stay away from this game entirely. But I, I see what you're saying here with with Tech. It makes them really, really hard to back. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see Tech play because I they just look like Texas Tech. It looks like they changed the coaching staff and they have the same team. We don't play defense. We score a lot of points, and we're kind of uh, you can't. The theory is you can't lose if you score more points than the other team, right? Right. But then they can't stop the other team from scoring more points than them. It, it's just an ongoing cycle. They've got themselves in this cycle in in uh, Lubbock where they can't get enough def- defensive players to come in and make them look good. I don't know. Let's look around the rest. It of- is it is really tough tough for this team, and, and I would agree with you. It is. I, I took them last week knowing that Texas is going to be overvalued in every scenario forever in their existence because yeah. of the Texas Longhorns. So speaking of overvalued is a 12 point favorite at home against the TCU team that um, I'm not sure what to think of, but I'm not sure what to think of that spread either. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Listen, TCU, I looked at them last week. I liked Iowa state at two and a half when it got to four and a half. I'm like, man, do I take a shot here with TCU? I didn't understand the point of not kicking the point after, I guess it didn't really matter anyway. It mattered to some of those people that laid, uh, laid, the, laid the number uh, with Iowa State. It, it's really interesting, and I'll say that much. Um, but here's a TCU team that I think, in theory, is well-coached. I know we all like Gary Patterson. We think he's a great coach. Um, if anything, and the, the number is high here, so tread lightly, I lean towards the over 62. Um, I think if, if TCU is going to be in this game, it's going to be a shootout like we saw last week. Yep, that's a very good point. Uh, Oklahoma State's a 21, 21 and a half point favorite at Kansas. I'm not overwhelmed by Oklahoma State, but Kansas can make everyone look really special on a given Saturday. They sure can. And they've also shown insane amounts of promise when they're at home against a Big 12 rival that's ranked. We've seen it happen to Texas. We've seen it happen to Oklahoma State. We've seen it happen to Oklahoma. And it's absolutely wild how all of a sudden, one time a year, the Kansas Jayhawks want to come to play. 
I'm not backing KU here, but I would not be <laughs> shocked to see them somehow come to play. Like, let's just be honest. And that's one of those teams like, no, I can't take the 22 here, but would I be shocked to see all of a sudden KU has this team on the ropes? No, of course not. Uh, Oklahoma State has absolutely dominated this KU team for years. Um, it, to me, it's a, it's a complete pass, but I, I hate these intriguing lines. It just looks too easy to bet Oklahoma State here. Yeah, over under around 54 seems low. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by this game actually to see what the what it is. But I, I like how you said nice things about Kansas and then said but but they still suck. That's basically what you just said. It, they just surprise me every every yeah, few great. years. There's one game that I'm like, oh, okay, KU. And then every other game is like, well, that's what we expected from you. But, um, no, I, I just – I have no business with Oklahoma State. I had them last week versus West Virginia. Overall, I was impressed with their with their play. And uh, I also had Baylor in the second half when Baylor kind of allowed KU to score that early touchdown. I was like, oh, I'm going to take a look at it here at halftime. Sure enough, that was all she wrote. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Baylor – they are a favorite at West Virginia. I was intrigued by that. I'm, I'm oh, that's, you know, because I think West Virginia is actually fairly decent. They didn't win it Stillwater last week, but they're back home. It looks like they might be playing in front of an empty stadium, but um, Baylor by three in Morgantown? This looks like the biggest trap game in the yeah. Big 12 to me, Tim. It, it looks so easy to take that Baylor team that looked so good last week, basically in their first game since their other two games got canceled. Baylor going on the road to West Virginia. I think West Virginia is going to be very competitive in this game, and, and that is actually a play I have already made. I took the three with the Mountaineers. Yeah, I think I would do the same. I would do the same. Well, Kelly, this is a huge week for Kansas State because um, what we've seen from this K-State team is a level of unpredictability. If they can kind of normalize themselves now and start beating teams. They've got an opportunity here to rattle off some victories, but you got to take care of this one, and Tech's going to score points. I, that's the one thing I know about this game. Tech will score points, and you better be able to outscore them. You're right, Tim. K-State K has a fairly, like, pretty breezy schedule from here on out. They've got TCU another bye week. They're going to have KU at home. Then they go on the road for on uh, Halloween to West Virginia. I think they have to capitalize here. And like I said, I, I was no disrespect to K-State, but I do get very nervous um, in those hangover type situations. Confidence levels are at all highs. And you're right. They're going to look at this and say, well, Texas Tech doesn't play any defense. So if we play defense, we should be okay. And that, that does concern me. But I really, really like what Coach Kleiman and his staff have done so far in Manhattan. It's been absolutely amazing to see them just step in um, after Snyder left and to really be able to keep a lot of um, the same values and the same work ethic and all of those things. So excited for the future of Kansas State football. But, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to say, like, this team should win probably more games than originally expected. They, they've shown that they have um, the grit and the – winning attitude in my book that will do it for this week's edition of the power cat pregame show my thanks to my co-host kevin keatsman for a great job in that first half and then of course ryan wallace kelly stewart 
and Brian Hanley here in the second half as we completely covered the landscape of Kansas State playing host to Texas Tech at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And a final shout-out to Robbins Motor Company. They strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame show. Folks, have fun if you're making it into the stadium on Saturday. It's going to be a beautiful day at the Bill. Let's see if the Wildcats can move to 2-1 on the season. And more importantly, 2-0 in Big 12 play by beating the Texas Tech Red Raiders. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.